Hello and welcome to the Who's podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this month's episode, we're going to be looking at the target novelisation of the Android Invasion. Um, I don't know, is this a well-regarded story or not, Paul? I'm not, in, I'm not entirely, um, entirely sure, to be honest. Not, not necessarily, I don't think. No, no. Okay, so we'll be doing our usual book to um, TV version comparison um, a bit later on. Uh, but first, what's been happening in the news since we've been away? Um. Not too much, but there's been some items of importance, I think. So, um, I think let's kick off with uh, season twelve Doctor Who news because uh, there hasn't been a lot at all, really, has there? Since they announced no. they were filming in South Africa again, um, sort of a few months ago now, and uh, sort of quite recently, it's on the twenty first of May, actually, the uh, the Jadoon have been announced as uh, a returning character for this um, series of, of Doctor Who. And it appears they've got a bit of a makeover as well. There's one, the one in the photograph is sporting a nice Mohican. Yeah. Well, it's it's either that yes. or he's standing in front of a waxwork of Ken Dodd. <laughs> I'd like to go for the latter, actually. <laughs> now, does this... I think people are sort of... Um, Maybe getting a bit excited to say that okay, this there's going to be more returning monsters this series. Um, I, I, it doesn't really say anything, really, does it? No. They, they, I mean, the Jadun could have a very, very brief um, sort of cameo in this particular episode, rather than carry yeah. the whole story. Um, it's amazing what people can read into a photo. <laughs> I mean, the fact and the fact is, wasn't it that they was actually shooting something outside in Gloucester or whatever? So yes, this there's... is why. That's why they this had is why to. Why they released it because they wanted to actually officially release it before set photos taken by people. Exactly. And um, arriving. There's some. Um, I think Jodie Whittaker. Okay, Whittaker. Who's Jodie Whittaker? Uh, Jodie Whittaker was also um, sort of posing uh, for photos with fans as well. Yeah. So also though trying to keep it a secret in any shape or form was it? So I was it outside Gloucester Cathedral or something like that where they were filming. I... Don't I haven't got that. I never got that far into it. Oh right, okay. Well, you, you can't hide that really, can you? But, no. Uh, um, but again, it, uh, you know, it's had a bit of a, a mixed reaction. Um, I think people are, are unhappy that the Jadoon are uh, returning, and uh, some others are happy that they are. So, um, I mean, the as, usual as reaction said, from but, Doctor but, but, Fandom, really. It could, be, <laughs> it could be anything. It could be the opening five minutes that then leads into another story. <laughs> oh no, exactly. It's, it's to say, they have a very, very small part in this story. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But, or as uh, they're sort of set up as sort of space police, they could just turn up at the end yeah. to apprehend the the villain that the Doctor's caught. Or if we go hedge our bets, Paul, they could just bookend the story, couldn't they? Hmm. Yeah. They're at the beginning, they're at the end. Done. Yeah. That's it. Even we're reading a lot into it now. So. <laughs> and how can well, I fits in? I have no idea. <laughs> still, still, at least it, it's, it, it, it does actually show there is some filming activity happening because, yes. um, you know, after after, uh, I think after when they filmed last series and there was absolutely nothing was released whatsoever whilst they were filming. There's a few um, very grainy shots or photos taken from a, a great distance which I yeah. think people um, mistook for some tarans at one point. So, so at least this time you, you know what you, you know what you're getting with this one, don't you? Yeah. So, yeah. 
But uh, anyway, now, next up in uh, Doctor Who Season 12 news. Now, this is a bit of a weird one. It's never been confirmed nor denied. But it's only, as far as I can tell, it's only appeared in one um, sort of media outlet, which is the Metro um, paper. Yeah. And it says that Doctor Who's reported planning a Christmas special for this year. So, um, according to this, we're going to get a Christmas special um, on Christmas Day. Um, but I, I, I say not being confirmed or denied. What What's your thoughts on this, Paul? Um, I don't know. It just depends on what, how the BBC do see Doctor Who as part of their Christmas New Year um, programs. Yeah, it's. I mean, it it would be quite a miss for it not to be there. Yeah, I mean, I know there was the sort of like, you know the controversy last year of you know Doctor Who wasn't on Christmas Day, um, and you know as we've discussed before, the whole reason that um, Stephen Moffat stuck around for a Christmas special was just to ensure it kept that slot. Yeah. Um, which then sort of like, oh no, we're going to put on New Year's Day instead. So, uh, well, you know, I don't really, I don't really care what what day. So we we just got an, an additional episode of Doctor Who, and that was it, really. Um, it's just so, it was easier for us to do a podcast talking about it if it was on Christmas Day and following. We had a week off after yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, we don't exactly have day. exactly. It seemed to be our main complaint. It was really, wasn't it? But uh, no, I. Well, if if there's any truth I mean, to this, I mean, great. You know, it's it's another episode of Doctor Who which we didn't think we were going to get this year. I'm, I'm I mean, okay with that. The, the fact that it's not following on from a series or whatever means that it, you know it's the Christmas specials tend to be one-offs anyway, in terms well, they, of where they stand yeah, in the storyline. They, they, they should be really. Um, yeah. So you know, there's no reason why they couldn't do one. Yeah, as you say, it's just a that standalone before you get into the, the, yeah. the, the, the forthcoming series. It's not as if they're introducing, they've got to introduce a new companion. No. So, For once. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, why not just let the the four of them, four of them could easily do one without it needing to have any influence on the forthcoming series. Oh, no, I know. So, I mean, that's... Uh, well, you know, that it still remains to be seen. I say it's not been confirmed or denied by the BBC. It's just appeared um, on this, this particular media outlet. So, um, but obviously, if there's any other news comes out about this, of course, we, we will discuss it on this uh, on this very podcast. Mm. So, uh, so, not a lot to, to know about it at the moment. So, uh, it is it is what it is. Now, um, lastly, in the in the news, unfortunately, we, we have some um, some sad news. Actually, that the um, actor Stephen Thorne, um, who memorably played um, Omega and the and the voice of Omega's Tat Corner, Corner for this very podcast, um, also played Azal in the Demons um, and um, was it Eldred in the Hand of Fear, has sadly passed away at the age of eighty four. Yes. Um, yeah, um, I know eighty four is is a, is a ripe old age. It, it still caught me by surprise this one, if I'm honest. Yeah, it really did yeah, when I, I when I saw say, it announced. Yeah, yeah um, I think Stephen Thorne's always just always been there, really. Um, and I think because the the, the three characters he played um, on television, you know, have really endured. 
Yeah. To be honest. Um, known for his big, deep, booming voice. Um, which, I know, we, we, we've had fun with, I think, when, when we did the Three Doctors commentary, actually. But um, as the as the, the man himself said, he, you know, you had to do that when you're hidden behind a, a great big mask or makeup or yeah. something. You have to do something to, if you can't um, show any facial expressions, you have to use your voice a bit more. Yeah, that that is you know, that is all he really had to act with, wasn't it? It so. was, yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's such a such a shame. It really is. It really is. Um, and of course, it it wasn't just known for Doctor Who. He appeared in other um, British TV shows as well. Things like Zed Cars, Crossroads, Sexton Blake, David Copperfield, Last of the Summer Wine. Um, but the other thing I know him for is um, playing Treebin in the the BBC radio version of Lord of the Rings. Um, where again it's perfect casting because he's got the big deep, deep deep booming voice for a massive walking tree <laughs> you know yeah. so it, it just works and um, and what I didn't know is he has actually also reprised his roles of Omega and Eldrad uh, for Big Finish as well which I wasn't aware of no I didn't realise he'd done Omega again so I wouldn't I wouldn't mind um, sort of sort of digging that one out yeah Somewhere actually, but um, yeah, so it is a, it is a, a great shame, really. It is it is really is a great shame because we saw him at the um, the fiftieth anniversary convention, didn't we? At the Excel, yeah. it was there. Yeah, it was one of yeah. the people actually wanted to actually were interested in. Yeah, listening to wasn't it? Because wasn't wasn't it him, um, Michael Kilgariff, and Julian Glover? Yes, on stage together. I think was it Toby? It was Toby Haydock. What doing? Was right in the panel, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it's such a shame that these like three sort of like you know, you know legends of of Doctor Who, um, and they had about fifteen minutes or something, didn't they? It wasn't a very long, long panel. Because I think it, I always remember Julian Glover sort of like saying because I think he was a bit surprised by the fact it was such a short panel, and they said, oh, "I thought we've got to wrap up now." And he and he was like, "Oh no, he was, I've always remember him saying that." Yeah. So, but. Um, yeah, it, it was just good just to see, um, you know, Stephen Thorne, you know, in the flesh, as it were. Yeah. Those years ago, but uh, hey ho, hey ho! But so, his, his um, voice will live on. It so will live on, and it's going to live on. It is going to live on in this very podcast, actually, isn't it? Yes, it will. So we we, we will continue to to use Stephen Thorne's voice to introduce um, Omega's Tat Corner. Um, which is what we're going to do right now, actually. Um, we've actually, Paul, you, you dug out some tat actually from last year that we missed. So, and we wanted to do something just as a, as a you know, just so we could hear Stephen Thorne's voice more than anything else. So, um, in tribute to Stephen Thorne, let's go to Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Thank you very much, Mr. Thorne. So, um, now, Paul, you, you dug this one out. Um, now, I don't know how we missed this one last year. Yeah, I, it, it's well, you know, obviously, I just haven't met the right lady. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a Doctor Who Ladies Tardis ring. Um, now, this was um, from the Bradford Exchange, um, which are known for doing their um, sort of little ingots, isn't it, and the coins yeah. and things, little commemorative coins and ingots. Um, so and this is it says here at that time. Oh God, yes, that hideous clock. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Um, well, this this isn't much better, actually, is it? Because it is no. a pretty hideous-looking um, piece of jewellery. Um, 
<laughs> and yeah. we hope nobody now is now looking down at their fingers. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, basically it says it's a unique and officially licensed Doctor Who ladies ring with sterling silver, 18 karat gold plating and genuine topaz stones. Okay, so it's exclusively available from the Bradford Exchange, even though we found it on Amazon as well. Yeah, for £5 dearer as well on Amazon. Um he said, you won't find this edition anywhere uh, anywhere else. Well, we, we did. Um, it's officially licensed, uh, showcasing twin bands of sterling silver, one with rich 18-karat gold plating engraved on the interior. Uh, it says, true companion engraved on the interior. Um, yes. uh, depicts a blue enamel TARDIS design accented with eight genuine blue and white topaz gemstones. And this is the clincher. Two seals of Rassilon glimmer. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? I don't know. What like like but below it actually is available in sizes KY. Have you actually got to rub that on your finger to get that, the ring on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, now um, yes. this is the yeah, I'll <laughs> Uh, this is available to buy for £119.95 pence from the Bradford Exchange. Um or if you go to um Amazon.co.uk it is £126.94. So um, Amazon lo- loses out on price again. So there we are. Although um, I, think, I, think, I think you might have to look at what the postage and packaging is from the Bradford Exchange because it might work out. You know, it as, might as, work as, out. As our consumer tip. If you so decide to, uh, to, to buy this. If you've got thing, Amazon yeah, Prime, it might turn out to be cheaper to get it from Amazon. We don't know. Exactly. Um, well, that, that, as usual, um, the accompanying blurb um, to these items of tat um, usually sort of catch our eye and make us laugh as well. So, um, so I think this ring is actually called True Companion. I think that's that's the little tagline for this. Yes. So it just says so. So it says True Companion, an expression of your unwavering support and love to the end of all time. Ah. Oh. Now you can share this heartfelt sentiment with your very own special companion. The officially licensed Doctor Ladies Tardis ring is a stylish piece of jewellery, exclusively available from the Bradford Exchange. Oh dear. Um, I, I did think though, I, actually, I, saying, 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 you know, getting something a true companion. What does that mean? You're going to be around for about two years, then I'll replace you with someone else. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you written out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um. Oh God, that that is there's quite a sort of a fawning kind of yes. <laughs> description actually. Of what you know what this ring means, um, yeah. But uh, Paul, it's, it's it's a quality item of tat that you've you've brought to the table. I have, <laughs> I have to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I I've just got this image of, of you know the dinner's going well. You reach into your pocket and pull out. You think now's the time to pop yes. the question. <laughs> And you put that on the table. (laughs) And the ring. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Well if any if anyone has bought this over over the um over the last year, um I'm truly, truly sorry. That's all I can say. (laughs) And if anyone has been given this by somebody, we're truly sorry. (laughs) Truly, truly, truly sorry. Oh, crikey. Right, okay, everybody. So that is it for the News and Tech Corner for another month. So coming up next, we're going to be talking about the target novelisation of the Android Invasion. So for another month, then, that was the news. 
Okay, everyone, uh, we're now going to talk about the target novelization of the Android Invasion and also sort of making a few comparisons to the uh, televised version um, as we go along. So uh, this book uh, was written by Terence Dix and uh, it was published by Target in November 1978. So uh, I believe it is your turn to kick off this particular little discussion, Paul. So um, what do you think of this one? Right. Um, first of all, let's just say there are spoilers in this. So of course, if, of course. If yes. you haven't haven't watched the the episode or read the book, then maybe you want to do that first. Maybe, maybe. Um, I have to say, I read this. I think uh, when we when we said we was doing this, I said this is probably actually one of the first Doctor Target books I ever read. Hmm. Um. I think I was more easily pleased in them days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's that, that's that's slightly unfair. What I was trying to remember from this, and couldn't actually remember really from it that much, was what I really wanted from this book. And this is probably right. I start with, with why this book disappointed me. Yeah, um, more than anything is, as we all know, there's there's two bits that come right at the end, two plot bits that come right at the end of this story. Okay, yeah. Um, and I was really hoping the book was going to um, make sense of them, so to speak. Okay, okay. Uh, the first one being, with all the androids being out of action, mm-hmm. the Doctor getting... The android of him to come to reprogram the android of him to work. Yes. Without releasing all the others. Yeah. Uh, and actually, more, more disappointed was the fact that if you watch the the documentary that comes with this on the DVD, uh, they actually talk about the fact. Barry Letts actually talks about the fact that an explanation to that was written. But yes. They ran out of time to film it. So you sort of think, well, that's that's unusual then for that for Terence Dix not to have included that. Well, exactly, because it's not as if it was a, a rushed tie-in, like say, like Destiny of the Daleks, which really was like the shooting yeah. script novelised, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right. You're right. But even I mean, if this was the shooting strip script novelised, it would have been in there. Yeah. They just didn't have the time. They run out of time. They say they run out of time to do. It. I can't actually understand how they would have done it though in the TV. I'm not, sh- you know, you sort of half think is that right? So I'm not sure how they'd have done it in the uh, the novelization in the, to the TV one because it would have to have shown it beforehand. It would have um, blown that suspense bit of the Doctor being shot. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't think they could have done it in TV in flashback. Or even had the Doctor explain would have been a bit cumbersome in the TV. But would have worked, I'd have thought, in the book. Yes, it would have done. It would have done. It's not as if you're sort of rushed for time in a book, are you? No, the Doctor could have could have explained to Sarah. At the point where it says, you know, Sarah says, oh, don't do that, Doctor, or whatever. Mm. When, he, when he actually comes through, the real Doctor comes through afterwards. He could have explained then how that happened. But it's just left in the book and left in TV. But you think to yourself, if they actually did have a sol- if they did have a, a solution written, why why was it not in the book? 
Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There was no, there was no excuse. And considering there was sort of like three years between this being made and put on television yeah. and, and the novelisation being released, um, there's no excuse at all. And you're not even at that point asking Terence Dix to take wild leaps of imagination himself. No, exactly. Because it was all there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, in, I seem to recall because I've read, read this some time before we um, we start recording this. Uh, it was probably about a couple of weeks ago now. Um, wasn't there sort of a cursory mention in the book that the the doctor took out his sonic screwdriver, and then it and nothing else is said about, you know, reactivating his his yeah. android duplicate. But I think you just get this cursory mention and. I seem, to, I seem to recall, and that's it. But even something like, all right, so so if the satellite <clears throat> was jamming their signals mm. as opposed to actually stopping them working, then you could have just said, you know, the Doctor, I reprogrammed him. And yeah. By not by him not needing to communicate with the rest, meant he was able to operate without being jammed yeah something yeah. i don't know yeah any anything just to explain it really so that, that was the, this. so that was the first one what about the second the second thing you picked the up sec- on? the second one is 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 the one that's always got me on this episode this this series yeah in the tv and you just thought is terence dix going to try and explain it away mm. and that is the fact that the obvious thing about why has kai crayford never taken off his patch before i know I know there was no attempt to try and, um, oh, I don't, I don't know, just just try and explain that no. in the book, was there? Absolutely, Absolutely none. not. And there's nothing on the TV, which, all right, fair enough. And I think they talk about it, again, they talk about it in the, um, the the documentary bit that came with it, saying, to be honest, we just felt no one's ever going to see this again. Yeah. It's, and it's not like nowadays when you know people are going to get it on DVD and watch it again and again. And well, there is spot a, a, the again. And a, realize that yeah, I think that again, there is just this like another cursory mention that um, Stigron's grip on yeah. um, Crayford is, is starting to to, to loosen. So, yeah. you know, whether it's some sort of mental hold or something. So, yeah, some again, sort of hypnosis that he actually yeah. does believe that he has believed in the past that he's when he's taken his patch off, he hasn't got an eye there. Yeah, that's right. You know. But they never even tried to explain it like that. And which, right, I can understand perhaps in the time scale of the TV, again, you mm. don't have time to to build that even in. You could have built that in over the period, over yeah. the story. Yeah, back exactly. Into, back exactly. into the story. Because by the time Terence Dix gets to write the book, they must have realised that that was a mistake. When they did say that they had letters and that, didn't they, in about why did... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> why oh why oh why? Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Why oh why oh why? Yeah. <laughs> um, but so you'd have thought by the time Terence Dix got to come to that, someone would have said to him, mm. "You might have to address the eye problem, especially in a book which people will be able to read and read and read once they've bought it." Well, quite. Um. But no, there just wasn't any, was there? It was no. just basically left as it was. Such um, a it's such a missed opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So, so so putting that to one side, what about the rest of the book and the plot? Because 
it, it's. I always found that this story to be a little. It is silly. It's very very silly. And yeah. Um, I mean, it, it must be a. <laughs> And it's mean, it has wasted it has, time for the Krulls as well. Yeah. <laughs> this it whole has sort got of that sort of um, <clears throat> sort of late series Avengers sort of feel to it, hasn't it? Do you know what? I think you put your finger on it there. Uh, uh, to be honest, because yeah, it's very, very, it's very new Avengers. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's either the. The Tara, or as you say, New Avengers sort of era. Yeah. Just imagine that—that that was just a typical. They—they enter. They come into a town that's a village that nobody about, and why are these people acting strange? Strangely, and, and yeah. I mean, I like—I like the sort of like the setup. Yeah. For it, and and the setup reads very well in the book as well. Um, to be honest. Um. And it and it doesn't deviate a lot as we've as you've already gone over Paul with the fact they don't sort of yeah. like even try and paper over the 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 enormous cracks in the in the plot really when it comes to Crayford and the um and the Doctor duplicate but um it it pretty much follows the the TV version as you've already heard pretty much scene for scene really scene. doesn't it yeah um. It's the funny thing is I do enjoy it in in a in a strange way. I mean, I, I actually like it. I mean, but then I like, I like the Avengers of that period as well. Some, you know, this, this doesn't bother me. And I think it actually is quite an interesting way of doing it. It mm. would have been more interesting as a storyline, perhaps, if they'd. It actually got interested in the fact that when they started to say that we can use the the Doctor as a as a test to see. How well these the duplicates pass themselves off? Mm, yeah, and actually that starts making sense of everything they're doing. Had the story been that they'd lured the Doctor there to do exactly that, yeah, the actual whole point of having the the false village created on their own planet would have made a a lot more sense. Well, see the thing is, I, I'm still not. Um... That there's a, that actually, there's a whole load of things in this as well that, that really don't. Um, it sort of builds the mystery, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Like like the things with the um, the coins, all with the same, all freshly minted, all with the same date. As well, now, I think that's just sort of like it's just clues to tip off the Doctor and Sarah Jane so that something's not quite right. It's, it's quite right here. Same with the yeah. um, the calendar. Yeah. Um, or with you know with with the it doesn't each, go doesn't go near just the same date all the time, um, which is fine. It's, it, it, it it expands the mystery for, for the Doctor and um, Sarah Jane. But from the context of Stigron's plan, why would you include that? Yeah. Really? Um, is it is it just purely to get his so he can test that these androids are working? Um, as they Properly. should do, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, human or whatever. They, un- they understand how to interact with each other, and yeah, that can be seen that they don't, you know, suddenly because yeah. speaking gibberish or yeah. So the the other thing, which I think is a, is a big plot hole as well. Obviously, all these these people are sort of like um, duplicates of people from the village of Devesham. Yeah, which I'm assuming have come from the mind of Guy Crayford. Yes. So how long has Guy Crayford been missing? Yeah, two years. Two years. So um, how do they know? Yeah, the same landlord is still there. 
yeah, how the, the same soldiers are yeah. going to be there. How does he know that unit, not really known for guarding, um, sort of, you know, um, sort of Britain's ver- version of NASA, that you know they're not, you know, the regular army would do that kind of thing. Yeah. You know why? Why is Harry Sullivan there? Yeah. You know, it, it's but, just yeah. But Benton may have had a had a big Bowie experience and now be wandering around with a shock of red hair. Exactly. Exactly. Or he gone full on Mark Bolan. I don't know. <laughs> yes. That's probably more for Harry, actually. I would have... <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 they were just <laughs> so... which, which, which if that if that had been the story, it would have been just worth it just to have had the brigadier in it for his reaction to that. Really. Oh, I know exactly. <laughs> That that would make a better story, I think. Actually, <laughs> the unit and their wacky hijinks. But uh, no, I I I don't but know. Yeah, yeah. That, exactly. I mean, that was that was the only thing actually in the book that sort of gave you a little bit more into that. Hmm. Is the doctor realizes that medals are on the wrong side? That he's almost looking at the mirror image. Yes. Because they've taken, they've created them as Crayford sees them. Hmm. They've done them. As the mirror image of them, yeah, almost like yeah, back, than... back to front, almost, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is probably about the only flourish in the book out of the ordinary that I could sort of see. Well, I know, I know exactly, and it's the other thing is a guy Crayford also seems to know every single villager, yeah, who, who live in who lives in Devesham as well. It's not, it's not, it's not just the people he comes to contact with at the space station, what you want to call it. Um, he's um. Oh, you he seem- might have been part of the darts team. You don't know. Do <laughs> oh dear. Now, is anyone? Is anyone sort of reading it? I thought, well, how how would he? I mean, I tell you what. If he had been part of the darts team, losing that eye would have really killed him, wouldn't it? Because he would have put his visual perspective <laughs> right down. Oh dear. <laughs> or if he had returned to Earth, he's a, he's a bit rusty at the dart. The dart boys always seems to get me eye in. <laughs> Oh dear! No, it's um no. It, to be honest, it, it's it's a. I mean, again, it's a very very quick read as well. Yeah. Um, as I th- is a, which is a common theme, I think for the for this particular era of Doctor Who. I think we've only sort of yeah. done one, um, sort of McCoy one, which was Battlefield, and that was quite a long book, wasn't it? Yeah. It's obviously sort of come the eighties. They sort of feel okay. We can expand on these. Uh, these televised versions a little bit more. I mean, I I, I do think it, it, it. We've we've come. We've said this before, isn't it? It tends to be the Terence Dix ones. Sometimes he will elaborate, and sometimes he doesn't. Which obviously must be onto whatever, however busy he is elsewhere. Do you think it's that? Because or actually no. Because even I was going to say because he was a big fan of, of like Malcolm Hulk, but but yeah. Malcolm Hulk novelised his own scripts, didn't he? Yeah, and did them extremely well. well. Yeah, yeah. You you got prologues and <laughs> oh, epilogues and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you you get a lot of um a lot of, a lot of book for your money there. You really do. Yeah. You really so, do. So uh... I mean, yeah, and you suspect sort of almost Terence Dix got the job when nobody else was going to do it. Well, he, he was kind of the go-to person yeah. for novelisations, because yeah. I think because he could because he could do quickly. it quickly, quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you I know, think... but but that's not not to that's not a uh, um, a, it's criticism not a criticism. Of no, him. no. 
of him. I mean, because yeah, he did, and we we've got them because he was the because he was willing to do them. Mm. But there but there have been some we've done of his where he's he's thrown in the odd. He's, he's tried to explain the 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 plot holes. And which is why I sort of thought, oh, we might have done it with this one, but no, unfortunately, no, no. He obviously, um... he obviously was under a time pressure here. Well, I think the only, um... how can I put it? I think the only thing that he did kind of expand upon was the relationship between Stigron and uh, Chidaki a bit more, because I think Chidaki mm. was obviously he just wanted to crack on with, with the invasion. Um, yeah, and it came across in the, it certainly came across in the television. That he found Stigron's plans, you know, you know, the endless testing a complete and utter um, waste of time. Yeah, you know, you know, let's just crack on. Um, but in the in the book, there's more sort of like they they have their own sort of inner thoughts on each other. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, I think there there was more of a a respect for Stigron in the book from from Chidaki. Than, than than certainly what came across on on the um, on the televised version, and it was very much that he comes across as he's just Chidaki's just a military man who wants to get on with it. Yeah. Whereas actually Stigler's quite interested in the whole process. In the you fu- actually, you actually was- almost think almost the invasion is secondary to proving how clever he is. Well, I think in a in a strange way. Um, it it kind of it kind of now you said it like that it kind of mirrors the the doctor and the brigadier's relationship. Yeah. Yeah, the brigadier's a military man. He just wants to he just wants to get on with it. While the doctor wants to sort of study and you know do do yeah. things properly. And it's it's kind of it, now you said it like that. It, it, it's sort of it's almost like a a mirror image of, of that relationship yeah. between Chidaki and uh, Stigaron. Yeah, and some sometimes just for the doctor to prove how clever he is. Yes, indeed. Indeed. But uh first thing's going with Stigaron's a pretty crap scientist because everything he tests he does fails, does it? <laughs> well uh, it's he seems to just be a bit um lacklustre in how, how he sees things through. <laughs> it's, yes, it's the execution is lacklustre, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The ideas seem pretty solid. It's just like you know, he doesn't. He he gives the water um, to to Sarah Jane to see if it uh, to, to test the virus, but doesn't actually make any check to see whether she's actually drunk it or not. No, and and no. as to whether as to whether the virus actually works. So what was the point in giving it to her? Oh no. Yeah. If he's not gone back to check that, then there is no point in doing no it. No point in know? it whatsoever. No, it, it is. Yeah, the the more you talk about this, the more plot holes you find. Right. <laughs> but the strange thing is, I, I when I watched it, uh, I read the book first, and I then I uh, then I watched yeah. it. Um, and in a perverse way, I I, I still enjoyed it. I, I think yeah. because you you you've got that um, fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane dynamic going on there. Um, you've got Benton and, and and Harry Sullivan might make their sort of last appearances yeah. um, in Doctor Who as well, um, which is always good, to, you know, good to you know, good to see. Unfortunately, there was no Nicholas Courtney, so we get Colonel Faraday, um, who's just like a I don't know, a, a typical sort of 
bluff colonel used to <laughs> be on actually, television in those days. You actually, know, so. going back going back to your point though about how long has Crayford been away? Yeah. But when they're doing the testing on the Kroll planet, yeah, they say that the brigadier's been called away to Geneva. Mm. And when they actually arrive on Earth, the brigadier's been called away to Geneva. <laughs> I mean, how how did they know that from from Guy Crayford's knowledge from two years two, two ago? Two years ago, exactly. Well, maybe he's watched Doctor Who because the, follow- the, the Brigadier was, was always say, called away to Geneva. <laughs> I was going to say, so the follow the follow up story to this one is Guy Crayford living in the Palmers on his lottery wins. Isn't he? <laughs> he knows what's going to happen two years in the future. Oh, it's probably the Brigadier's lottery ticket as well. He knew, <laughs> he knew, because he was he was in Geneva. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. No, I, you know, it's it's okay if you can ignore the plot holes, and there are many, and it is a yes. pretty silly, um, silly plot to be honest. Um, yeah, but I I do like the the build up, the initial mystery. I really like. Yeah. Um. Actually, and again, another thing. Actually, I know I'm just picking holes there, really. Um, but why did they feel that, was I can't remember the reason why they had to destroy the fake Debsham on the Kral planet? What was the reason behind that? Uh, they just didn't need it anymore. Isn't that a little bit short-sighted? Um, yeah, you'd have thought they might have waited until they're they their plan was successful. And exactly. said, no, we don't need that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I know, perhaps it was using up a lot of energy. Perhaps it was increasing the radiation. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems to, it just seems that it goes all that trouble just to blow it up, you know, or, or vaporize it, we want to call it. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, but I suppose the thing is, though, would, would you recommend this book to any, so to our listeners? Uh, Yes, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it's 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 a decent book, but just don't go into it expecting anything different, different from the television. From, from the yeah. television, yeah, yeah, or it to answer any of the questions that the television series may have thrown up. No, it's it's it is a a missed opportunity this one to actually yeah. put right the you know the, the glaring plot holes that everyone remembers. Yeah, about this. So no, it's it's a shame. It's a shame, but uh, but go ahead and read it anyway. You might yeah, I say I, I I did enjoy reading it. Yeah, that was the thing. I, was, I wasn't sort of oh for God's sake, you know. I, I, I wish I could just want to quickly get through this book because I don't like the story. I mean, you know, hmm. it's it's still it's still enjoyable, but silly. Yeah, that's that. I think that's probably that sums it up. Enjoyable but silly, but. Uh, there we go. There no, we what, go. What's good about this story actually is the fact that the Tard the Doctor doesn't the loses the TARDIS as well, so it has that sense of jeopardy yes. into it. Although they don't really use the hat. <laughs> the, the TARDIS has gone, it's almost said as a buy thing, isn't it? You know, it's just, oh by the way, Doctor the TARDIS has gone. Oh well, you know. Oh well never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no, you know, no hand yeah. wringing of what are we gonna do now or Yeah, that, that should there should have been as you you're right, there should be more jeopardy. Yeah, surrounding that, and it is one of the few episodes that where the Doctor does actually lose the TARDIS. But I suppose completely the, loses the TARDIS. Yeah, but I suppose the TARDIS turn up on real Earth is the thing that tips Benton off that something's not right. 
that 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 was that was the reason for it disappearing. But it didn't. But as you say, it didn't create any jeopardy for the for the Doctor and Sarah in it, in, it, in any no. particular way. You know. Yeah. The more we talk about this, Paul, the more we're finding wrong with it. Should we stop? <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, the one thing the book did, the only other thing the book did, in the book, when the Doctor and Sarah get onto the uh, Crayford's rocket, yeah, you don't get what you get in the TV series is one of the... Um, I don't know what you call them, cocoon things, for want of a better word. One of the, one of the, the the pods, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Opening up to see that there's a doc, there's a doctor there. Mm. You don't get that, I don't think, in the book. Which actually, because that actually sort of sp- spoiled the surprise of whether the doctor was they they'd made one of the doctor. You also actually another thing that I think was missing from the book. So sorry, listeners, we're still carrying on. Um, yeah. <laughs> was the when Benton sees the real Doctor, when Robot Benton sees the real Doctor, and he says, you know, um, he, he blasts his way through. So you know, say you know, I'm the robot. If you see another one, yeah, you know. So then the robot Doctor walks in, and in the TV version, Benton shoots him. Yeah, and you get that sort of. Right, satisfied sort of answer from from the doctor. Yeah. That doesn't happen in the book, does it? No, and it's actually that's better in. I think that's better in the TV series. Yeah, than in the book. Because again, it, it it brings across that robot thing. It's programmed to kill the real doctor, so it believes it's the real doctor and shoots. Yeah. Though you would have thought, and, that... and the fact that the androids are are pretty difficult to kill. Yeah. Although you would have thought well, there would have been something to tip the androids off that they're looking at another android, droid. really. But yeah, you'd you'd have thought that was one of the things that they'd have been testing while they had them. See, we we found another flaw in Stigron's <laughs> plan, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd have thought they'd have had a had something built in, like the Doctor had an android detector built into themselves, wouldn't you? Yeah, so you would have thought so. Whether it's an android or not, they're talking oh, to. Oh dear! Oh dear! So what we're saying, we're better strategists than um, <laughs> than Stigger on, aren't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Or Terry Nation. Or Terry Nation, be. more to the point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh dear! I often wonder what happened if Terry Nation had sort of novelised his own scripts. What what he would have done with them? Uh. So around about this time, he would he would have been in Blake Seven, wouldn't he? Nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, that would have been. But I don't think he was particularly into. He was he more he was more interested in action, wasn't he, than words? So oh, I was going to sure. say I was going to say money actually. Yes. But... <laughs> yeah. Your target wouldn't have been able to have afforded him. That's the no. I don't. I think you're right. I don't think they could have done. I don't think they could have done. But. Oh, we'll never know now. Okay. We'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know. But, uh, so, so, before, so before we try to bring this to a close again, is there anything else you want to bring up, Paul? <laughs> Any other no, plot no, holes I, you I, thought I, of? I think, I think that is it. I think. <laughs> good oh, good oh. So, yeah. So, just to wrap this up again, just say, yeah, go and read it. It's it's fun, but but silly. Fun but yeah. silly. Okay then. So, um, 
next month we'll we'll be back with a should be a big finish review, shouldn't it? It should be, yes. Should be. So, um, so of course, we'll, we'll do our usual thing because we haven't planned any of this out. Uh, we'll let you know uh, through our Facebook uh, group and uh, Twitter account. Yes. That's what, what that's going to be. Um, but coming in between um, now and then, uh, there's going to be another companion special. Um, and this one's going to feature Natty Nichols from the Pharos Project, uh, the fourth project here, as she's known as. And um, she's going to be talking about Sarah Jane Smith. Which is very apt to this uh, this podcast. Yes. So uh, yeah. So there Almost we are. Almost as if we planned it. It was, wasn't it? It was. So that's going to be coming up um, in a couple of weeks um, after this one goes out. Yes. Okay then. So um, until then, it is a goodbye from me, Phil, and goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.